Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 558 on Tuesday, the 2nd of January, 2024. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, whilst we wish you Happy New Year, we'll be talking about a lengthy charade. We look back at the talking points of 2023. And we resurrect our prediction segment and see if we can get any better at it. But first, we start the new year with some follow-up. And this is the not a surprise at all, except for how long it took to get to the agreement. But the UK and EU have confirmed they have put back the rules of origin legislation implementation for another three years. Yeah, I basically covered that before it went away. Wouldn't it be lovely if these things could happen before the 11 and a half hour? Yes. It's just ridiculous. If you're trying to plan things, working in big organizations, logistics, blah, de, blah, de, blah, de, blah, just knowing what it is, what paperwork you're meant to be filling in. Mm. To know these things before the 21st of December <laughs> might be quite useful. It's just pathetic. It is very much pathetic. Sorry. Starting the year angry. (laughs) The new rules will come in from the 1st of January 2027. Um, This requires 45% of the value of an electric vehicle to have originated in the UK or EU, and that includes 60% of the battery pack as well, Mm -hmm. must have originated in the UK and EU. As car companies from both sides of the English Channel pointed out, there was no chance of this being hit by anybody (laughs) Because yeah. there's one or two battery factories in Europe and the UK. <laughs> there just isn't the capability to manufacture them in Europe. No. Full stop. Not on the scale that's required, not yet. And until that we can implement the capability, it's just an impossibility. It's, you can wish it to, into being as much as you want, but really it requires companies and space and facilities and the entire system. People, process, tools, etc. goes into work mode already. There we go. I'll stop mm. that. Do we think we'll have enough of a capability by 2027? Oh, we may have a fledgling capability. The level of maturity could ramp up very quickly. Um, but I think 2027, where are we now? 2024, sorry. So three years, three years. It's a lot of time to build some ruddy big sheds and all the equipment in them. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, in the UK, we've got the Tata battery plant yeah. planned. Not mm-hmm. Nobody's started digging the ground or anything. No. There's the one up in Sunderland. I don't know how in place it is. I think it is. It's pretty close, isn't it? For Nissan. Yeah, but that's just for Nissan. Let's not talk about British... Well, we'll talk about British Vault short. Uh, we'll mention it later on. I mean, that's dead in the water, essentially. Yeah. There's the pie in the sky that's going to be a Coventry battery factory. Oh, the Coventry Airport one. Yes. Lovely rendering. Nice rendering. Yeah. But we haven't heard anything about that for a while. No. And Northern France is going to be plastered with these factories. But again, how quick can they get that done? More quickly than we can. Probably. And here's the thing. Unless sodium ion batteries are seen as as a viable alternative. Mm. But that requires the car companies to do a few things. But we can talk about that next week when we're going to mention that in New New Car News. We're not doing it this week. Yeah. The other one is uh, Solid State again, Toyota working uh-huh. on that. But that's not... But it's it's a bit like yeah, be a couple of years away forever. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head with that one. So we'll see. I don't know that we can ramp up a capability that quickly, but there might be different people having the conversations at 
a senior political level, so this may not get into the same situation, or there may be more grown-up conversations about it? Part of it depends on what happens in the UK later on this year, I would imagine. Yeah. Politically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 14th of November, is that not the one that the date is scheduled in? I don't know. I think I saw a thing about that the other day. No goody. Anyway, talking of the UK, do you want to take us uh, to Bracknell? <laughs> you can tell we haven't spoken for a little while. Uh, yes, McLaren. News came out right before Christmas there. McLaren has announced that it achieved the long-awaited overhaul of its complex share structure, according to Autocar, which means that the Bahrain sovereign wealth fund Mumtalakat has really bought in and recapitalized McLaren. That's good news. It is good news, I think. Yeah, bring some stability to McLaren. Some, uh, They're not worrying about having to restructure now. They know where they are. And it sounds like the hope is that this will help them bring out further models and move to the electrified future that they need to. Yes, because I mean, to, to an extent, they've kind of moved from being one of the leaders in that kind of stuff, the original P1 and things. That's died back a little bit. It must have been so distracting for senior management. Oh, yeah, because this kind of stuff, you're, you're dealing with that rather than dealing with new product. Yeah. And, you know, really, if you are working in a group like McLaren, a company like McLaren, you want to be about the new product. That's yeah. one of the reasons it's, it's small. There's lots of stuff in this Sky News article about warrant-like instruments and sort of finance stuff that I frankly don't understand and can't even pretend to. But yes, that will be interesting. Uh, and again, one to keep on following. But hopefully, it'll stop all of these issues. And by the way, uh, McLaren's based in Woking. Oh, right. oh, yeah, sorry. I knew there was something wrong whenever you said it. I just couldn't pinpoint it. Start the year as I mean to go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, part of this means that Bahrain has bought out Saudi Arabia yes. in their shares of McLaren. Uh, oh, and congratulations to Sir Ron Dennis as well. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, as a result of the New Year's Honours list. Mm-hmm. Uh, completely separate. Well, not completely separate from this, but of course, uh, his work at McLaren and some of the other stuff uh, he does uh, around, or he has done around that mm. as well. So well done to him yep. whilst we're talking about McLaren. I will now take us to Volkswagen. Oh, boy. Here we go again. Volkswagen, the brand. And they are the latest in the group to announce how they're going to cut costs after lengthy discussions with the Works Council, because there was initially talk of redundancies, um, but the Works Council, funnily enough, dead against that. They've agreed measures that will yield 10 billion euros or $11 billion in gains by 2026. And that's very similar to Cariad that we talked about before Christmas. Yeah. Astonishingly similar amount of money as well. Um, but also in this year, they expect to get 4 billion gains from the savings. Mm-hmm. Part of the agreement is uh, that they will speed up development and production times. But one of that worries me immensely. Mm-hmm. They reduce staff costs by not replacing some of the vacancies as they come up depending on which ones they are. Yes. Uh, and also, a, and this one really worried me and made me wheel out our what-have-you-been-doing statement, a more efficient procurement strategy. Yes, you would have thought that they'd have been doing that, well, you'd have thought they'd have been doing that for a while, ever since they nearshored it outside of Germany. Mm-hmm. He says, trying to work out how much I can say. The procurement stuff already is, is done outside of Germany. That was moved out a few years ago. Mm. But then that's the strategy you're talking about. Considering how many parts are shared and everything, I don't understand how more efficient they're going to make it. Obviously, we're not going to know the fine details because we're not in there. No, it's kind of, yeah, they are 
already sort of seen as the pinnacle of parts sharing yes. across and many, many very disparate brands. Door handles leaps to mind. <laughs> I just, I just, yeah, the suspension components, all of these kind of, you Buttons. know, window switches, all these kind of things. <laughs> Same ones in a Lamborghini as you'll find in an, in an Audi, yeah. as you'll then possibly find in a Skoda, which is, as long as it doesn't make any difference at all to the customer, the whole, I'm going to say, I'm going to be careful here and say the whole life customer experience, Mm. as opposed to, yeah, it works just the same way. As long as it has that reliability and that everything else, then that's a a good thing. I thought there was an interesting paragraph in this Reuters article that's linked in the show notes. It was talking about um, how the Volkswagen Group brands are undergoing a cost-cutting drive dubbed performance programs by executives, yeah. attempting to convince investors of the car maker's credibility and financial stability. Now, we have for, I think, openly for at least three years been questioning this because of the impact of Dieselgate. Yeah, and the whole where did all the money come from? And then the changes they were making. Mm-hmm. I don't want to start the new year off by putting the boot into Volkswagen yet again, but I do sit here thinking, what what has management been doing? Yes. Yes, I know what you mean. Well, we'll discuss them later on anyway, won't we? Yeah, I'll come to that another week. I, I can't be bothered yet. Yeah. Uh, do you want to take us to Hungary, though? Not sure that's what we're meant to say whenever we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Hungary. BYD, build your dreams are going to build a new electric car factory in Hungary, becoming the first Chinese company to build cars in Europe. I don't know. It depends how you count Volvo, really, doesn't it? No, no. You'll get Ash from Geely very cross. Because... I know. <laughs> I know. Sorry, Ash. I'll apologise now. A new factory will be in the, in the city of Szeged. Uh, I'm so sorry for butchering that. There are more consonants than I'm used to. In the south of the country, where it's expected to create thousands of local jobs. It's not clear quite which models BYD is going to build in Europe just yet. Or when. Or when, exactly. But it's been announced. Autocar, according to Autocar, first reported BYD's plans to establish a production site in Europe in 2022. It's something that has been on the way. Previously, it was discussed as to whether or not they were perhaps going to buy Ford's uh, Saar Louis factory in Germany, where the focus production will end in 2025, but there's no deal. Don't forget that the UK was apparently in the, uh, or the UK thought it was possibly in the hunt for this factory, except except for when (laughs) the European president made it very clear that the UK was not in the hunt for it, with the current political climate. (laughs) There's an interesting line at the end, which is, Hungary is understood to have been an attractive location for BYD because it's part of China's Belt and Road Initiative a policy which aims to bolster the country's global industrial presence with large-scale investments and trade agreements, as can be seen throughout Africa. Yep. That and the fact that the Hungarian Prime Minister is a... What's the word? The one I'm thinking of begins with B and ends in D, but I can't really use that because you'll just bleep it out. No, don't use that one. Forceful leader. <laughs> he is a forceful leader, yes. I think is, is one way of, of saying it. It's single-minded. He hasn't named BYD, but um, but yeah, he's looking for, for that kind of support, I guess. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if he was teaming up with China, just from what little I know about Hungarian politics. Mm. Yeah. So yes, a, a, interesting, but not necessarily good. Or surprising, because it's a no. way around the expected 
tariffs. Yes. Yes, yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is going to happen. I mean, I I hadn't seen this story and I I wrote a prediction, which I then changed and deleted. Actually, it was one of them in my shortlist was about this kind of stuff Hmm. happening and a greater move for Chinese car companies to establish manufacturing in Europe to get around the tariffs because, of course, they would. It's a tiny investment for some. Well, I'm going to stick with Chinese EVs and this is the news that Neo, the battery swap EV company, or that's what it's mainly known as, mm. that's been struggling of late, has got investment of $2.2 billion from Abu Dhabi. We talked about them the middle of last year, I think, I want to say, where they announced that they were delaying coming into the UK market until they got their, I think it's third generation battery swap yeah. system sorted out, and then they could build them, and then bring the cars. Mm. They've said that they'd learned the mistakes of bringing their cars out and then following up with the infrastructure. This time they wanted to do the infrastructure first, yeah. which sounds great, but then when you hear their financial results and everything, you sort of think well, that was a nice way of <laughs> trying to couch it as in a positive. Uh, yes. They're going to slash 10% of their workforce, they announced in December. They've been losing absolute shed loads of money. Uh, they made a $2 billion loss in 2022. That's $2 billion. Yeah, yeah $2 billion. Sorry, yes, in 2022. They are struggling, but I would say, and this isn't one of my predictions, that the Chinese EV market is going to be a bit of a bloodbath locally, and I wonder how many will survive from that. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bloodbath amongst the smaller companies. I think some of the big companies and the big brands will still continue to have multiple EV brands, multiple models based off the same, uh, in the same essential underlying technologies, frameworks, uh, hard bits. Yeah, you're going to need you're going to need scale to survive. Yes, but I think that they're going to be able to do that. I think some of the smaller companies like Neo, which maybe we know more. In, in the West mm. are going to find it harder. Yeah. That strategic agreement with Geely starts to make more sense why that was important, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you want to um, take us to Europe? Well, talking of Europe, do you kind want to take of. us to Europe? <laughs> uh, uh, Kia Europe uh, has uh, named a new CEO. The interesting part about this is it's the first non-Korean executive as part of the whole of Europe business for the first time. The new CEO is a Frenchman called Marc Hedrich. He is formerly of Ford in France, formerly of Volkswagen, formerly of Toyota Europe, and he's been in Kia for about eight years. Yeah, something like that. He started the role yesterday, 1st of January, in Frankfurt, and he's succeeding Won Jung Jong, who held the post for the last uh, four years Kia haven't said what he's going to go on to do next. Mm. Kazoo, talking about not selling cars. Uh, Yes, seems like it's an annual thing, this. Yes. Uh, Kazoo, I've got a bit of problems with their cash. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. They apparently, according to a US regulatory filing on December the 18th, must urgently secure additional capital before the second half of 2024, or they will struggle to maintain the business. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, there was an interesting thing that you discovered, wasn't there, Alan, about this UK company? Well, I noticed it was a US regulatory filing, and I thought, that's weird. I don't think Kazoo operates here, or at least not under that brand. And it turns out it doesn't. It turns out that what happened was that there was one of those, again, we're into all the financial stuff that I just don't really understand. 
a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company, because it got bought out in August 2021, just as a reminder for everyone, by a hedge fund, which is why it is listed on the New York Stock Exchange, hence the US regulatory filing rather than a UK one. When it was listed, it was valued at $8 billion. Since then, it has lost 97% of its market. I mean, that's more than Twitter. <laughs> they now have uh, cash and cash equivalents totaling £194.6 million as of June the 30th, and expects to close the year with between 100 and £115 million in cash. So that's only a drop of about £80 million. Yeah, they managed last year uh, towards the back end to restructure their debt to reducing mm. from $630 million to $200 million which is a fair chunk of change to reduce it by, but still hefty. If we look back to 2022, they made £704 million losses. Mm -hmm. And that's despite the, the revenues going up to $1.25 billion. Yeah. And they delivered just under 65,500 units. Still a lot of sales. Still a lot of sales, but selling cars is not easy, it would appear. And, and you don't know if this is just because things are grossly overvalued. Yeah. In the first place. That and sponsoring anything that remotely pertained to being a sport as well. I wonder how much of the 100 million is made up of uh, private number plates on trucks. Uh, you know? Yeah. And yes, they were sponsoring everything. I think it's a classic case of a startup equivalent of an existing industry working out why the existing industry is the way the existing industry is. Yeah. And and that's not to say that the existing industry can't learn a thing or two. Oh, no. No, no. I think they've, they've done some interesting stuff. But you do need to understand why it is being done the way it is being done. <laughs> I've heard from, from people that, that one of the challenges they have is repeat purchases. People buy stuff, they're not completely happy with it. Oh, right, okay. And then they're not going to go back. People have no brand loyalty to these companies in the yeah. same way as you have a certain amount of loyalty to your local dealerships and stuff, mm -hmm. which is interesting because that comes to a story later on. <laughs> but yeah, it's almost as if it's planned. Will, I mean, <laughs> I know we're talking all about predictions. Will Kazoo be around next year? Mm. Do you reckon 50-50? No, I, I don't think they will. When you look at all the predictions of how hard the market's going to be, yeah. And uh, I mean, that's stuff we haven't really put in our predictions, but a lot of people are predicting that it is now a seller's market rather than a buyer's. A buyer's market rather than a seller's, even. Sorry if I could. Yes, yes. Get and my I, can wording see that. Right. I can see that happening on this side of the Atlantic as well, despite the fact that the sellers are trying to tell you the opposite. Because who deals with private sales? We look at the SMMT figures, private sales, even new cars, which means private sales, uh, you know, and. People aren't changing their cars, basically. No, no, it's having a knock-on. Perfectly good car. Why keep on paying every month? Yep. Do you want to take us to Japan? Yes. be quite a lot of noise online about this. It's a funny story because it doesn't necessarily affect Europe. But Daihatsu, the Toyota subsidiary, which makes little cars and little vans and little trucks, lots of Kai, kai stuff, Mm -hmm. It discovered that there was some issues with originally some door linings where the safety certification wasn't quite the way the safety certification was meant to be. They started an internal investigation. They discovered there were many other things that were like that. Uh, so they got a third party to continue an, an investigation. And they went to uh, Japan's uh, safety regulators and said, oh, hang on, we've got a bit of a problem here. 
And then they went, actually, we don't know how big a problem this is. This could be really rather large. So what we're going to do is we're going to stop building any new cars. Yeah, that's in all four plants as well. That's at all four plants across Japan. Supposedly, the issues really started from about 2014, but may well have been going on since well before then. Yes. Nobody's quite sure how far before then. No. Daihatsu, of course, pulled out the European market in 2013. It's worth mentioning that. Yes. One of the things they're worried about, obviously, is a massive recall. I mean, part of the part of the issue was that, that vehicles were tested with one type of airbag trigger and then manufactured with a different one without stuff having been retested and corrected. Yeah. What they're hoping to do is test with the as-built model, find it's fine, and then not have to have a massive recall. Yes. This should not make a difference to the safety of the vehicles. There is just not the appropriate paperwork trail to say that. Yeah. And that's really important. Yeah. I mean, it's not quite aviation level, but it's really important. That's what they were... They were saying, now, originally I thought it was only maybe about half a dozen models that were going to be affected, but Toyota's now saying almost every car in Daihatsu's lineup could be impacted. You can understand why they're very keen to avoid a massive recall. Yeah. Daihatsu, by the way, makes about 4% of Toyota's total vehicles every year. And some small Toyota vehicles uh, do have Daihatsu parts are built by Daihatsu. Yeah, so is Mazda and Subaru, though, as well, some of the K-cars. Yeah, well, a lot of that is, it's the one vehicle, it's just got different badges slapped on. Yeah, but it was interesting that the Daihatsu president said that he attributed the problems to pressure on workers to meet ambitious demands for for tight development deadlines. Mm -hmm. When we go back to the story about the Volkswagen Group and they've agreed to reduce development times... Always makes me a little bit worried. <laughs> yes, it does, because this is the kind of stuff which gets pushed through. Yeah. And whether intentionally or, or more likely by accident, mm. uh, these these things do happen. You know, uh, don't attribute to malice what could he adequately be explained by incompetence. Yep. It is more likely to be mistakes being made rather than somebody going, ah, let's do this. Let's change this and not tell anyone. Yeah. That, that, doesn't, re- that doesn't happen. Uh, well, it doesn't really happen. Although Volkswagen, <laughs> well, other other EV manufacturers are. Did. Yes, yeah, they're not. They're not alone in it. They're not alone. <laughs> Always assume incompetence rather than malice yep. uh, until proven otherwise. In these cases, it's a big deal, and we're going to just keep an eye on it and see what happens. I don't think it's going to make much difference in the West. Ultimately, all we can do is keep an eye on it. Yeah, I am going to bring us back to the UK and Stellantis. And Stellantis's new head of UK uh, operations, Maria Grazia Davino, has said that she is going to pause the move to agency model by the, the Stellantis brands, which was due to start in 2024 for Alfa Romeo, DS and Jeep. And then the other brands would follow by 2026 because some building of bridges is required between Stellantis and the dealers that they are already working with. Well, allegedly working with, <laughs> when you read some of the comments in this AM Online article well, that's linked. let's read out the paragraph. It says, in the latest NFDA dealer attitude survey, every single Stellantis franchise, Vauxhall, Citroën, Fiat, Alfa Romeo, DS, Peugeot, Jeep, was rated as poor value and was fighting each other for the bottom of the ranking. That's 
Ouch. That's quite bad. Yeah. Now, it's also interesting because this, when we talked about this back in September when uh, Mr. Vino became the, uh, the head of Stellantis UK, that we didn't realize that she was being brought in to uh, bring her partnership building skills. And and it's quoted, uh, she said that her immediate job is to build bridges. Mm. Uh, it sounds like it's gone west with the dealerships. Because the problem is amalgamating the PSA and FCA groups into one. Mm. And there's been delays and process issues, this article, I'm quoting from the article here, which have impacted dealers, including their bonus payments. Now, that always really, really sets a, a negative tone to any conversation if you, you don't pay never them. hold back bonus payments from any salesperson. Anyone who runs the business, don't do that because the salespeople are mercenary salespeople. They will leave and go somewhere else at the drop of a hat. That's mm. what salespeople do. At least that's what good piece salespeople do anyway. Yep. You never, ever, ever hesitate on those bonus payments because you will lose out in the longer term. Obviously, accountants in rooms don't necessarily consider those no. things. No. And just go, oh, we're going to hold that out to the last possible moment. Oops, it's a day late. Oh, dear. We've saved ourselves $10,000. Wait, pounds, euros, whatever. Been in the US too long. But not too long, I'll stop doing that noidal accent. <laughs> One of the things that struck me was was many of those those franchises are from the sort of big dealer group mm. book. You know, your Vauxhall, Citroen, Fiat, Peugeot. As a Scot, I just assume that any of those dealers are going to be Arnold Clark. Well, I think we're going to have to add Arnold Clark to the drinking game. It's been a while since we've added anything. <laughs> we are. I, I just I just have a real thing about. Uh, no, I have a real thing about big dealer groups. You might have noticed this recently because I think it. I just think it's so bad. Yes. And you look at stuff like Alfa Romeo. Why, why would Arnold Clark be interested in Alfa Romeo? They're not. If I take Scotland as an example, they, have, they own almost every Mercedes dealership in Scotland. So why are they ever going to put any effort into Alfa Romeo? Why are they going to see that as value? Mm. And again, you see all th those other brands I just listed sitting out on forecourts with big yellow stickers saying how much they've got off them. Yeah. It's just, I don't, know that the problem is Stellantis or its existing dealer group infrastructure, which is too darn difficult for it to change. Well, I think it's possibly both because one of the other things that comes out from yeah. this article is talking about how Mr. Vino said that she can't fix dealer profitability in a month, but it will be no. better in the midterm. And she's paused this until, uh, and that she's paused this and all brands are going to go across at the same time. The earliest is 2026. There's also mm -hmm. T's and C's need ironing out, and they're bringing in a consultancy to help with that. But it sounds like yeah. there is there is real trust issues and real fundamental problems between Stellantis and the dealers. And, and flicking back to that that dealer one, if they're on an agency model, they're not going to be able to do those big sticker pricey drop things, no, are they? No. The, you can see why the dealers can't necessarily use their volume to the big dealer groups can't necessarily use their volume to then slash the prices to then trample the little guys you're hoping that the customer comes back and uses your after sales stuff mm -hmm. which yeah. not always that's not always what happens no exactly exactly it was just startling how bad the situation has got yes yeah agreed yeah gosh we've been awfully ranty start to the year sorry about that everyone it wasn't intentional <laughs> Promise. Well, it wasn't on my part. I don't know. 
Andrew did most of the <laughs> he did most of the lineup. So no, 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 it wasn't intentional. Well, there's nothing for me to talk about. Ada, so <laughs> no, oh, <that's> a, well, <laughs> relief to everyone. Thank heaven for small mercies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> Speaking of small mercies, that brings us to guilt minute. Quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, and we do completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released. I might like and rate the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all that, it's something you do, so thank you very much. Uh, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Thank you, everyone that does. Yes, and new patrons as well. Thank you so much. Oh, yes. Thank you, new patrons. Yep. Right. We're shaking up the second part for the first show of the year because there isn't that much to put in points of interest at the moment. But also, we wanted to do a bit of a roundup of 2023 and our predictions for 2024. So we're going to start with the roundup of 2023. And we've picked approximately 10, I think it's 10 themes and stories that kept coming up over the year just as a a little reminder of what we've all just endured <clears throat> it feels like at times <laughs> do, do people want a reminder of what they've just endured well then we can look forward to much better and more positive things going forward yes yeah, so then the reason this is at the start of the year is of course because we weren't in nearly the same time zones at nearly the same time at the end of last year no do you want to start off okay i'll start with the first one it's like the old days. There's a list of stories and neither of us have actually attributed ourselves to each other. Still <laughs> amazes me how long it took us to realize that when we started this podcast eight years ago. Yes. <laughs> okay, I will start with British Vault. And it, the bad news started all the way back in January when it filed for bankruptcy. Then it got taken over. And then the company that got taken over got raided by the police. And then they said they'd they pay for things and they hadn't paid for things, including <laughs> staff's wages. And then they're being served with an order that they have to pay the wages, otherwise they're going to be put into bankruptcy again. The, the company is basically not going to exist, and it's all terribly sad and dreadful. But the staff there have, as we repeatedly said, have been continuously let down by senior management from yeah. the original British Vault to the company that took them over. Absolutely, absolutely. In a similar vein, EV startups finding out that, that it is a hard old business, partly of their own fault, arrival. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, the Caribbean islands, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, arrival onto the EV subscription company also folded over the course of the year. Volta is clinging on, just Apple, fingernails at the top. Will they not reboard? new investor yes. or buyer? Yeah, yeah, they have. Well, their previous investor has now invested more. Ah, okay. They're, yeah, clinging on by the fingertips. Bollinger... Neo, as we've already talked around, talked to finding it, uh, finding it hard, and Bollinger, of course, the the very square pickup company, which is very quiet lately, actually. Well, only taking Monroe to court. Oh, Monroe, the Scottish, yes, equivalent. Yes, it's sorry, I thought you meant EV. Monroe, as in yes, I thought you meant Monroe, as in Monroe Associates. No, Tesla friends, and also Rivian. Rivian find the commercial vehicle world a little bit uh, tricky. Um, with its work with with Amazon and Amazon cutting back its orders. Yeah, again, that has a slightly more positive by the end of the year because the exclusivity agreement has been canned, so now they can go out and sell to others, which is a big deal for them. And by the way, R1S and R1T, the the SUV and the pickup truck, 
I see quite a lot of those around. Oh, that's good. Definitely increasing in, in the number that you, you see on the roads here. So, so I, I think Rivian overall is, I don't think it's had an easy time of it, but I see, cut, cross fingers on the surface, it seems to be weathering yeah. the challenges it's, it's got. So, so good on it. Good on them. Yeah. Uh, another theme of the year was political flip-flopping, both in the UK and the EU. This was over policies, dates, giving into threats from companies, watering down regulations, and then allowing the final one for me really was allowing the rules of origin issue to run to the absolute wire before sorting it out. And unbelievable. You heard our disgust and exasperation when we discussed that at the, in the follow up. But yeah, the politicians have not done the industry any good this year. No, no, not Last a, year, not sorry. at all. Yes. <laughs> Back when we used to write checks, we'd still yeah. be doing it in the wrong year. Security was another theme that kept coming up. I mean, I kept having to sort of remove and edge out stories to stop you getting too angry about car companies, suppliers being hacked, operating systems, data security, or distinct lack of it, contents of T's and C's saying that they can basically track everything about you and what they can they can then flog it to people mm. from that point of view hopefully there's been a lot of maturing in that aspect amongst the car companies i will i said hopefully yeah i know i hope but i don't expect i hope i don't really expect it security is something which gets tacked on at the end it always yeah. is once and you go oh well nobody's going to do that and then somebody does it and then you rush and spend loads of money fixing it uh, and that's what's starting to happen with car companies uh, these are mobile networks mobile pieces of infrastructure mm. and and i think people are now realizing that woo over the air and constant connectivity and all that stuff which is great if you're going from the car out to the services you're meant to but when people start coming in the way be it more of a challenge yeah uh, low emission zones in the uk they they were a hot topic over the year some expanded some new ones came in that charged some just flat out Banned non-compliant vehicles. Hello, Glasgow. Hello, Edinburgh soon. <laughs> yeah, well, Edinburgh's been trying to ban vehicles for years, so that's not surprising. <laughs> Some want to replace and not add a tax, which is interesting. That was towards the back end of the year. Mm. But also reports on how they have actually improved the air quality. There is an upside to them. Just wish there was some decent implementation, I think is my take from all that. Yep. And it'll be interesting to see the Greater Manchester one. First, if that gets accepted, and two, if it does make the difference that we're being told it will by investing rather than mm -hmm. hitting people with a financial stick. One thing I've heard, by the way, is that the Glasgow one makes very little difference to anyone. Oh, okay. Because it's, it's because nobody drives there anyway, and then why would you? <laughs> Next on the list, autonomous vehicles. I mean, I don't even think I have to say any more about that. Your, your notes here say it's been a truly anus horribilis for the industry. As uh, recalls, spurious data lies, collisions, injuries, cancelled permits. Yeah, I mean, everybody seems to have moved on from the AV hype. The AV hype over the course of the year and towards the AI hype mm. in the second half. Um, you know, the, the, they, I, I think AVs are starting to drop off the hype cycle. What I found great about the AI hype was the problems that were demonstrated with AI, mm. people then went, we've been telling you this about cars, yes, and yet exactly. you want them to drive. And, and at least that has brought it to more people's attention. I still don't think we're doing enough about it, but it's brought it to more people's attention at least. And there is a little bit more awareness. Obviously, you, everybody who listens to the show regularly knows my feelings on it all. 
and, and my hope for painfully, something, painfully. something dramatic to happen and quickly to prevent what's going to be inevitable injuries and deaths. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely, I think it's understood within our bubble, but whether that's getting wider is, is, a, different, is a different matter. I think it might be. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully soon. <laughs> Hydrogen. The second half of the year was a bit grim. Uh, many projects were paused or cancelled by companies or operators because there was difficulty in getting supplies thanks to high cost of electricity. Costs also being higher than was expected, not just in the energy itself or the, the, the hydrogen, but also in the elements around all of that, the, the, the infrastructure. Uh, and then there has also been a, a rise of suitable EV alternatives, which is what you want to see mm -hmm. where we do not exclude any potential option is that the market will work it out or science and technology will work out the best options. It's like, well, we go back over 100 years, there was loads of electric vehicles, mm -hmm. but gasoline and petrol run, won out. The, the first Rolls-Royces were developed to, be, to try to be as smooth as the electric vehicles, which predominated at the time. Mm -hmm. That was it. That's, that's how they got their reputation for refinement, was trying to be as smooth as an EV, mm -hmm. which is kind of funny, really. Slightly nuts, but yeah, kind, kind of funny. Next up, Volkswagen Group. One of these years, we will not talk about Volkswagen Group very much. I'm actually quite looking forward to that for the sake of Volkswagen Group. I mean, I, mean, I know that we, a lot of the early days of the podcast rode on the back of Dieselgate, mm. and this is the continuation of that, really. So many strategies for so many things. Yes. And you start to, to wonder what's happening. I mean, it culminates in, in Schaefer's roof is on fire speech. And as you said earlier on, we do sort of sometimes wonder just what Volkswagen management has been doing in between times. Are many of these challenges their own of their own making? Even things like people saying, "Well, we don't want to buy the cars because we can't work out can't work out how to use that screen that's in the middle and mm. where are the buttons uh, and these kind of things." And just the challenges of software, declaring they're a software company and then going, "Software's really hard," <laughs> and and it is. Software's yeah. ruddy hard. Better luck in 2024, Volkswagen. Yeah. But don't forget, we are available as a consultancy, the Motoring Podcast Consultancy. Um, our rates are not outrageous. And we could help you prevent some mm. of the mistakes you have made. <laughs> I just have to be paid through the UK. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, that sort of links, because one of the problems uh, VW had is the China market uh, and their shrinking share, but China. And many suddenly appearing to hear what we and a few others have been saying for quite some time about the threat of China, um, which was nice to not be acknowledged. But we ended the year, though, with all the things, because you've got the, the problems with building cars in China that the car companies have done, mm -hmm. where they're being built, <laughs> and who buy, but also the Chinese government subsidizing the Chinese home brands, which mm -hmm. then means they can undercut European and American brands when it comes to, and Korean, sorry, uh, when it comes to EVs. So we, end, we ended the year with the expectation that there are going to be subsidies uh, or uh, tariffs imposed for vehicles that are built in China and brought back. I mean, France has already removed the ability to get a consumer subsidy of anything the, the that's built there. The US has essentially done the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, the US which has is, done the same. caused all sorts of weirdness in some 
EV manufacturers model ranges about who can and who can't get uh, get get the subsidies, which models can and can't. Yeah, and it's it's just going to be. We will be discussing China a lot in twenty twenty four as well. I can foresee that. ADAS. I guess this links back up with the AI type stuff. More advanced tech being mandated that it it just is harder to to turn off it's harder to sort it out whenever it's doing stuff it shouldn't be doing see previous comments <laughs> euro ncap and thatcham trying to say well it's nothing to do with the systems it's all to do with the drivers and the social media yeah and people turning things off where many of us have driven cars over the last couple of years where the safest thing was to turn the ruddy system off yes and it's going to be hard to to stop this one i mean it's the I don't know if this is something that people in our car bubble are more aware of or not, but I was reminded uh, over Christmas when I was back in Scotland and I was driving my mum's my mom's car that one of the first things she had me do was turn off the lane departure warning mm-hmm. because it was just on country roads where you had yeah. to stay out from the edge and stuff. It was just too much. She was sick of it beeping at her. And I just remembered that it had been turned off then. It's never been turned back on since. Yeah. I don't think it is just people in our in our car bubble. We understand it in the bubble. We understand why it's there. The people who aren't in the bubble who just want, I just want a car to get around, get- They just get angry. Infuriated by it because it's it's just, why is this piece of nonsense here without- you know what we know that it's being mandated or it's it's to help the yeah. five stars and all this sort of stuff well i'm not buying one of these because it makes beeping noises at me when i took it for a test drive yeah etc etc mm-hmm. anyway that by the way i hadn't really realized the order of that when i said to andrew you go first so it wasn't intentional that i ended up with all the bugbear ones <laughs> in that list uh that was, it was just as we were going <laughs> through as we were going through it, i thought oh i can quell a few rants on this one <laughs> Uh, that leaves us with our highlights from 2023. And uh, outside of the weekly show, I didn't get to do a fraction of motoring-related stuff I wanted to. Same here, to be honest. Yeah. The number of things we've been invited to and had to turn down 2023 was bat poo, really, right yeah, up there, to there was the end of December. Bad timings all the way through the year, but me being ill towards the start of the year, and thank you very much for carrying the load for a significant amount of time while I was trying not to die, um, mm. remembering how to breathe. Which is appreciated, by the way. I'm I'm very glad you didn't die. I would I would I guess I'd miss you a bit. Yeah, somebody to edit. Do the show notes. Yeah, yeah. I know. I hate writing the show notes. God, you could. If you ever want to know which shows I've edited, it's the ones with the really short show notes. Everyone, I know they have to be there. The links have to be in there. We have to do it. God, I hate doing it. it takes so long. <laughs> I appreciate it every week when Andrew has done them. <laughs> I really do. Uh, I have my uses. But my yeah. uh, my highlights, there, well, there's, a, there's two, actually. I'm going to cheat here. The, the first one is that we finally got to do a live stream of The Revival, something yeah. we talked about for a, a few years now. It just mm-hmm. hadn't worked, but we finally got to do it. It wasn't seamless. There's things we've, lessons have been learned, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah. It was the first time. It yeah. was, there, there was some bits that were a bit cruddy, like but, just working out what it is we're going to cover. Yeah, but I just love the fact that I was watching it with a mate, chatting it through, and other people who were watching us along could interact if they wanted mm. to as well. I, I really enjoyed that. So we're hoping to do it again this year with the Festival of Speed as well as with Revival. And we'll look at other things that happen and see if we can maybe do those as well. Because it's, 
we don't do motorsports, so that sort of cuts down your options significantly. Yeah. I mean, we talked about doing it for like motor show announcements and stuff in the past, yeah. but just the timings have been so difficult. And sometimes we maybe haven't been reading our emails in enough detail. Like you said just then, uh, 2023 was very hard outside of the weekly news show for both of us. So it just yeah, wasn't yeah. possible. But related to that slightly, though, is the fact that we hit our eighth year. Uh, I'm <laughs> still amazes me. Uh, yeah, well, I'm amazed still and really amazed. proud uh, <laughs> yeah. that we've we've done that, and and thank you everybody that has supported us and continues to listen to us and and send us nice notes and even notes for suggestions on improving. We do appreciate all of that. Yeah, we absolutely do. So, how about you? 2023. What was it? What was an up thing? So my big highlight of the year was the was the big road trip I did. Mm. I really met. I, I actually in 2023. More than 2022. 2023, I have missed being able to attend launches and car shows and all sorts of stuff. Just, you know, and that's going to continue through 2024. And then, tough luck, guys, you got me back again. <laughs> My big thing was I did a big road trip across to Devil's Tower mm -hmm. in Wyoming, in Lexus, and visited a whole load of car museums on the way, and then other stuff as well, not just car museums. Uh, because you can have too many car museums in any one trip. I have learned that in the past. I had intended originally trying to arrange interviews and talk about them and all that stuff, but I just needed the holiday mm. uh, by that point. So I didn't, which is why you only got occasional pictures. I have many pictures, <laughs> but that was the big thing because it was one of those ones where the journey was the holiday. I mm. tried to make sure I did a combination of everything and, and you know, it's all based on Bill Barrison books and, stuff I wanted to see and had read about and the, the great list that early last year I put out a tweet and said, uh, what, you know, what car museum should I go visit? Mm. And I got a list of 50 or something. It was just over 50 okay. uh, suggestions from people of, of car museums all across the U S I've ticked off a fair number of them. It has been oh, invaluable. Work. It's been invaluable. I think I changed, I think I shared it in a, did I, I wrote a blog post, I think I need to check cause it was a while ago share them in the blog post uh, i do have an apple maps uh list of all of them uh, which i'm happy to share with anyone who would like it you know send out the link uh but but yeah that was my big highlight uh of the year was was no, doing that I, five thousand miles in two weeks and i've just saw lots of the us and it was just so good yeah i'm really glad you got to do that right should we look forward now we've looked back let's look forward with some Optimism in our heart, maybe. <laughs> do you want to start with your prediction, Alan? Well, okay, well, no. Right, so the predictions. Are we going to do right? The predictions. We've got a negative, a positive, and a silly one. It's a silly stroke wild card one. It's one that's neither one nor t'other. Yeah, Alan. Would let's let's get the let's get the negative. Let's out get the negatives way. out of the way. Okay, I reckon that having caught up over the past couple of years and with economic stuff. New car registrations, particularly private registrations, will tail right will tail off in 2024. I agree. There's been big big hoorah at the end of 2023. Look at this, it's up, it's up, stop, stop, stop. I think that vehicles are now available. People have filled in. Orders have been caught up on, uh, and will continue to be caught up on in the start of 2024. And I think that the numbers are going to start to tail off again. Unless something significant happens. Yeah, whilst interest rates have stayed the same or may have slightly come down, fuel everything else. Fuel prices as in your home energy prices have gone up. Uh the zero emission vehicle mandate kicks in now. 
So that's yeah. 22% of the of a manufacturer's sales have to be zero emission this year, or they have yeah. to buy credits. There's all the, like I said, the cost of living crisis as well. We saw private beginning to stagnate and then dip. It'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see what happens in December when we talk about that. I presume next week we'll get that data. Yeah, I think it probably comes out tomorrow. Yeah. Ugh. It's not a good one, obviously, because it's a negative one, but I, I fully agree with you on that one. Uh, for me, as this is an election year in the UK, oh dear God, good luck, everyone. Mm-hmm. Brace yourselves. Whichever side of the political spectrum you're on, let's just hope for sanity. <laughs> yeah, well. Grown-ups. Yeah, please, that would be there nice. there are any left. But motoring is now going to be dragged even deeper into the culture wars. We saw last year there was lots of stupidity, uh, and I fear a lot. and predict that it will be even worse this year. We will get even more nonsense and lies and made-up stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's something which affects everyone, so therefore it will be a, a target. The hard-working British motorist will be a phrase yes. that is repeated many times. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't even want to think about it. Okay, come on, give us a positive. Give us a, give us a good one. Okay, EV charging infrastructure. Partly as a result of my negative, but I think that it will catch up with a number of EVs on the road to the benefit of all, particularly around service stations mm-hmm. and motorways and trunk roads. I think there's a lot of work going on there. I think it's going to start to reap rewards in 2024 for the consumer, if not for the company. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. Okay, positive for me is that I predict that car manufacturers will move away from the stupidly quick 0-62 mile per hour times, and they will start to extol the virtues of lightness and help reduce range anxiety by making us understand that we don't need huge batteries, which weigh massively, which then give us the ridiculous 0-62 miles, which then means we can get across the country in one bladder, etc., etc. Andrew's Hummer EV order is currently in process. <laughs> uh, the Yeah, I, I actually was going to use this as my positive and say hopefully that the, the British public would move on from massive range and land's end to Johnny Groats on a single bladder of coffee and all these kind of things. Yeah, I really have my fingers crossed for this. I really would like this. Lots of cars doing short journeys on EV, maybe with internal combustion engine as well for longer journeys and for fun, that will make a much bigger difference. Much than a quicker. Few very, much more quickly, yes, yeah. exactly, than a few very long-range EVs. So I, uh, I really hope that comes to pass. Yes. Okay, what's your silly stroke wildcard? Mine is that the, the modern equivalent of the new small Jag, which, I mean, goodness knows what's going to happen to Jaguar. That was, that was one possible prediction. Tesla will unveil a Model 2, a okay. smaller Tesla. Right. And Note I say unveil. I was going to say, uh, are you predicting launch, when, it, when it might get to, uh, get to the public produce, roads? No. Uh, yeah, uh, sometime in 2028, yeah, <laughs> by current predictions. Uh, so I, I'm just saying they're going to unveil it. I'm not saying they're going to produce it. Or, or anything else. And what will it? what is the predicted reveal price? Oh, it's going to be very low. Uh, well, it's going to be the traditional, isn't it? $25,000. $25,000, exactly the number I was about to say. Uh, before tax, Ending up registration, being $32,000 $33, when it comes uh, to Maybe forty. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then we'll be slashed like mad afterwards. Yeah. Uh, but it's okay, because you can uh, reserve it for only $100 mm-hmm. to start with. Mm-hmm. Mm, that may go up as well. Yes, yes. And then a thousand when you actually want it. Yes. So that one there, I I, I don't think. I, th- I think that one might happen. I could actually. see that happening. 
Yeah, I could see it happening. Maybe second in six months. Se- second, second quarter. I was going to say second half. I was going to say maybe six months time. Yeah. I reckon start of the summer. For that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I mean. But when we, when he just before he's announcing the uh, the figures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's you know the usual tactic. Sh- shocking, shocking. Anyway, what's yours? Go on then. Okay, mine is. Uh, I don't believe this for a moment, but there we are. People and organizations will start being honest with data and facts when trying to make points or explain things, both for positive and negative announcements. Yeah. Well, I've just seen a pig go past. Yes, I think what? it was on the approach to Logan. <laughs> I would like to not have to read something that is reported as fact and go, well, here's where they make it clear that they're making stuff up or it's not true or that's... I'm looking at you, Welsh government, for 20 mile an hour times. Yeah. If you're officially rebuked by the Office of Statistics... Office of Natural Statistics, yeah. That's poor. Which is based in Wales. And it was obvious. It was very obvious and very easy to disprove as uh, someone I follow on Twitter who I believe is a listener as well pointed out to me. And just said, look, it's this, this, and this. Look where they've picked it from. And it was just mm-hmm. ridiculous. It was so silly that it just got repeated without anyone checking it. I would love a year where there's a week that Andrew doesn't get angry at any of the stories. Oh, I'd love a year that like that. would be so well. happy. I know. I think we both would. Yes. I think we both would. <laughs> anyway, that rounds us up pretty much for, I think, certainly rounds up 2023. Mm. From now we'll, on, we will come positive. back. We will come back in early 2025 to see how far away we were from these predictions. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. There we go. That pretty much rounds it up for for this week. Normal show format will return uh, next week. So second half, we'll be here. We'll have uh, new new car news and points of interest. Yep. What else? Oh, uh, if you've seen a disparity in episode numbers, that will be sorted on Friday. Yes, because Oops. reasons. <laughs> Idiocy is the reason. <laughs> I wasn't going to say why. No, I had to say it. You were thinking it. <laughs> I was thinking it quite loudly, yes. That's uh, that's that's this show. Mm. All that remains for me to say is to remind you that you can give us any feedback between now and next week and share your thoughts on the show at Motoring Podcast on Zitter or Instagram or wherever on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon and please leave a review and rate on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter or Mastodon. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to discuss more about the 50 plus museums of the US, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you personally? Twitter, Blue Sky, possibly Mastodon when I feel like it, probably not Threads. Same username on every single one of them. Uh, It's at AJP Bradley, that's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. As I said, we'll be back uh, next week. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.